laptop computer. Then came Detective Sergeant Ken Bates of the local CID with a fair-haired detective constable called Mary. When everyone was seated around a table, the int officer led off, telling his gopher to record everything I said on the laptop. The trouble is, I know so little about it, I began. I just got home, and they were gone. Wait a minute, said Bates. I need to take your full name. Geordie Sharp. Army number? 2436920. Rank? Sergeant. Age? 31. Where's home? Keeper's Cottage, out in the country, six miles from town, just off the Lempster Road. What time did you get there? About two. And where'd you been? Jesus, I thought, this guy knows nothing. I've got to explain everything from scratch. So I took a deep breath and said... We've been on an operation overseas. I've been away six weeks. We landed back at RAF Bryce Norton at ten, then came on here and had a bit of a piss-up to celebrate our success. We must have gotten to camp about midnight. But you tried to phone home earlier, Mac put in. That's right. I called first about half ten from Bryce, then again about half one when we reached camp. The answer phone was on both times. And listen... I told them I'd found plates with tomato sauce on them and Tim's unused bed. But your wife could have used the plates at lunchtime, said Bates. It's not my wife. My wife was killed by a bomb in Belfast. We're talking about my girlfriend, Tracy Jordan. She came to live with me and look after me kid after Kath had been murdered. The detective sergeant cleared his throat. Can you describe Tracy, please? She's... Tall and slim, with red hair. How tall? Five ten. What else can you say about her? She's got freckles on her face and arms. Anywhere else? I looked up sharply. Was Bates trying to take the piss? He read my reaction and said, It may be a body we're dealing with. I swallowed. All right, then. On her shoulders as well. Tracy's how old? Twenty-eight. The questions fired on, one after another. Bates needed filling in on possible motives for the kidnap. Kath was a Belfast girl, I explained. She'd gone home to look after a mum who'd had an operation. She was killed by an IRA bomb that went off outside a supermarket. Bates gave a sympathetic grunt. Some weeks later, I got posted to Northern Ireland, and I found out from the RUC who'd been responsible for the explosion. It was one of the leading players in Belfast, a guy called Declan Farrell. Of course, I wanted to top him, and I got a chance one night when he came to a weapons hide at a farm. But one of the group was the RUC's best informer, so the headshed wouldn't let us fire. I stopped, because I could see Mac's eyeballs rotating. The things I was saying shouldn't have been heard by anyone outside the regiment. I looked from one to the other before going on. Anyway, that was when I decided to go after Farrell on my own. I thought I could take him out single-handed. Highly irregular, of course, but it seemed the only way. It turned out that some other security organisation already had him under surveillance, and they picked me up. So I came back to Hereford, never finished my tour. I tried to call it a day and forget the whole thing. But then it started again. I finished my tea and paused before continuing. In November, 
A team of our lads went out to train the President of Colombia's bodyguard. I was in command. We were halfway through the course at a camp down country when we travelled to the capital one weekend for a bit of R&R. &R. And suddenly, there the bastard was. Farrell. Can you believe it? In a Colombian restaurant with a couple of other paddies and some natives. Obviously, the pyra was into drug running and arms dealing big time. Anyway, two of the embassy staff were stupid enough to go to the restaurant to get a look at them. The next thing was the pair were lifted, along with one of the Ruperts who'd been doing liaison. Ruperts? Beards frowned. Officers! Well, that caused a big panic. We got clearance from the Colombian secret police to bust the operation. We followed the kidnappers into the Amazon jungle, and things ended up with a firefight at a cork manufacturing plant miles from anywhere. Farrell got wounded and captured. So, you think this kidnap is a vendetta by Farrell? Beards asked. Not directly. It can't be, because he never knew who it was that had come after him. In the jungle, he was just shot by some strange soldier. Someone else in the pyra must have ordered the lift when news came back that Farrell had been nicked. In that case, how did the IRA know who to come after? My fault, I admitted. After Christmas, I took local leave in Ulster. I got Tracy across and we took a holiday cottage on the north coast. I'd been told it was a safe area used by tourists, so one night I went to the village pub and got talking to a local about fishing. That was all, but it was enough to give them a line on me. This guy Farrell, said the ops officer. What is he in the pyra? Jimmy flicked through his file. At the time of the supermarket bomb incident, he was adjutant of the Belfast Brigade. But since then, he's taken charge of what they call international liaison. That means drug running, arms dealing, anything that raises funds and weapons from abroad. A telephone rang. The ops officer picked up the receiver and listened. After a few seconds, he hung up and said, And there was special branch. There's a standby team coming down from London. They'll be here in three hours. Geordie, you're looking knackered. You'd better get your head down. I spent the rest of that night in the sergeant's mess, in the room I shared with a mate, Pat Newman. Normally, neither of us slept there, using the place as a store for a kit. I couldn't be bothered to make the bed, so I just got under the top blanket. By six o'clock, I was back at the guardroom, and the special branch rover rolled down to the barrier a few minutes later. The boss figure was Commander John Fraser, a lightly built guy in his forties. With him came a burly detective sergeant called Dennis Haynes and a blonde, pale-faced woman detective constable with looks reminiscent of Barbara Streisand, whose name was Karen Turin. In the ops room, Matt gave the newcomers a short brief. Fraser's most urgent request was for a room with secure comms that could act as control centre for the duration of the incident. The request presented no problem because on the first floor of the Kremlin, one room was kept ready for just such an emergency. Mac realised that the visitor's next most pressing need was to get some food and drink down their necks, so he handed Fraser a printout of his statement and dispatched us all to the sergeant's mess for breakfast. As we sat down, I gave Fraser an outline of what had happened. When your wife was killed, he asked, how did you find out who was behind the bomb? Through contacts in the RUC. Who do you know there? A man called Morrison, chief superintendent. Morrison? I know him. Good man. He'll help us. 
Can I ask you something? I said. Of course. What's this kidnapping here of? I mean, what do they hope to get out of it? The reply was what I'd expected. Simple. They want Farrell back. Now, he glanced at his watch, I think the CID will be needing you at the scene of the crime. It was six o'clock when the forensic team called it a day. Their leader promised a full report in the morning, but for the moment he led on that they'd found signs of a struggle on the landing. Fibres from Tracy's pullover suggested that someone had grabbed her there and sat on her to hold her down before hustling her down the stairs. With the search completed, there was no reason why I shouldn't move back into the cottage. But did I want to? The thought of spending another night in the mess pissed me off even more. I had to drive back to camp in any case because I'd left my bergen there. So I decided to have supper in the mess and then head back out. In the dining room, Milluck took a turn for the better. There, eating on his own, sat Tony Lopez, the American SEAL who joined D Squadron for a two-year tour. <laughs> there was nobody I'd rather have fallen in with. Tony and I had been close ever since we'd been captured by the Iraqis during the Gulf War and spent six weeks together as guests of Saddam Hussein. Our spell in jail had forged a lasting friendship. On the operation in Colombia, Tony had acted as our liaison officer. Being Puerto Rican by birth and having Spanish as his first language, he'd proved an invaluable link with the natives. Hi there, Jody. Any news? I shook my head. Nothing yet. Uh, all right, if I come and join you. Go ahead. They've searched the house from top to bottom, I told him as I sat down. A couple of small clues, but no fingerprints. How many of them? They think there were four. One to grab Tim, one for Tracy, one to take the picture, one to stand guard outside.